We're going to see God move. I'm really, really excited about uh, this morning. Happy Father's Day. I had a, uh, when I was, we were singing Amazing Grace, I had this um, flashback moment uh, of just how powerful God is and, and how God made us. My father had a stroke, and it was the first stroke, it was beginning of many, but he lost the ability to speak. And he couldn't talk at all. He couldn't form words. He understood it in his head. You know how this works. I don't, but that's what they tell me. They understood, he understood it in his head, but he couldn't actually say the words. But if you would talk to him, he'd understand what you're saying, but he, he, couldn't, he couldn't speak back. So he had to relearn. He went through therapy to relearn how, how to speak. But the amazing thing is, not long after this all began, he went to church, and they were singing that song, Amazing Grace. He began to sing out amazing grace, every word, every word, every word, amazing grace. And it just, everyone was like, oh. But then he couldn't talk after that, but he could sing. <laughs> so, you know, part of your brain, that part of the brain is good, you know. And it was, and it, they actually said he needed to sing more often because it'll teach the other part of the brain how to do this. <laughs> Am I right? Am I close to being how this, how this works? And I think Jared mentioned worship. I think that's probably true. The worship teaches us how to do the rest of the part. Come on. <laughs> the worship teaches us. We have the words, so we know how to sing the words, but there's all kinds of great theology there that just reminds our spirit and our soul, okay, that's right. You know, I can trust God. I can live for God. That, that's what it is. Like the one line I love about how, in the, in the one song, where the sun will stop shining. That's what it basically means. And you think, well, what is that about? That sounds like the end of the world and everything. Yes, because the Bible says at the very end, God will create a new heaven in the, in the new earth, and the new heaven and the new earth won't have a sun because God will shine. Jesus Christ will shine and fill us and fill the universe with light. <laughs> and I believe that's what God wants to do in, in your life this morning and everything that God is, is moving in your heart. So there was, before the Coast Guard, before it was called Co Coast Guard, there was a, the organization was called Life Saving Service. It's a little bit of a name. We're talking, you know, uh, 1900, 1904, you know, early, early on. It was called Life, Serving, Life Saving Service. And there was a particular commander in, in about 1904 named Commander Etheridge. And Etheridge was in charge of the station off the North Carolina uh, coast. And the North Carolina coast, if you're familiar with the Outer Banks or anything like that, they have storms that is, will just tear up a boat, and there's rocks and, and things out there. And, th and th this one particular really, really stormy night, there was a particular boat that got stranded on the rocks. And it, they, were, they were pretty good ways out past the breakers, and they were stranded on the rocks. And so this life-saving service said, come on, we need to go out there, and we need to, we need to get them. <laughs> but the, the surf was really high, and it was moving in, and one of the uh, life-saving service attendants, <laughs> you know, Coast Guard people, said, hey, this is really dangerous. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through the breakers. I don't know if we do. The odds are we're going to, we may not be able to come get back. So I don't know if we should do this. And there's this famous quote that they sort of, the Coast Guard sort of adopted as an unofficial motto, at least for a while. And this unofficial motto, this is, this is what it said. He said, the blue, and I'll explain that in just a minute. The blue says, 
You have to go out. But it doesn't say anything about coming back. And so he was just encouraging them, the men to say, the blue book, this is the official guideline for them, says you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. In other words, it's going to take courage. It's going to take strength to be able to, to, to go back out. And, it, and they said that day, they spent the good part of the day just trying to get out. And they would push their boats out, and it would, the water would uh, capsize them and push them back. And they did it again and again. And all day long, because as the storm raged off of the coast, they tried to do that. Finally, before it got dark, they were able to get past the boats, get out there, save all the sailors that were left, <laughs> all the sailors that were hanging on, and to get back onto shore. You see, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to go out and, and have that. It takes, it takes a, a special kind of energy to say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not, even when the waves are pushing against me. Even when the storm is coming against me, coming against me, and it doesn't work out like I want. And I think too often we live in a society that says, well, that didn't work out. I'm going to do something else. Well, that didn't, this relationship failed, or that didn't work, or that, you know, and we just, we just want to move on. And God has something bigger than all of that. And God wants us to know what he can do. It takes courage to, to go out there and do that. But it, it's a, we have to be filled with the right kind of courage, with the right kind of, let me put it this way, with the right kind of energy, with the right kind of things that, that make us stronger, the, the right type of energy that will feed our spirit. Because just like it takes courage to go out and, and to say, this is an obstacle that I have to overcome, it takes courage, spiritually speaking, to stand against when things are going wrong, to stand against when it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, when, when everything is pushing back. Uh, where do we get this kind of energy from? Where do we get it? Where, where, does, where does this come from? How, do, how can I stand strong? How can I make sure that I won't give up, that I can, that I can be strong? This, this morning, I want to talk about and finish a, a series I started last week about daddies don't quake or quit, part two. Daddies don't quake. And that last week, we talked about daddies aren't afraid. Come on. You got you to stand up. You got to be strong. And this applies not just to daddies, but to every one of us. We, as believers, we can't quit. We can't quit. And there's something sometimes that wants to feed into us and make us quick, quit. That wants us to say, oh, man, I, I, I don't think I can do this. This is just too hard. I'm too tired. I'm too worn out. You see, the blue book, which is the guide for the, uh, the early Coast Guard, says you have to go out, but you don't have to come back. <laughs> but the good book, God's Word, teaches us that he will give us the strength to not only go out, but to rescue others and to come back. And I want to talk about that energy. I want to talk about that recharging. I want to talk about that refreshing that God has for us. See, we need to understand everything that God has. We need to understand this recharging that God, that God wants to give us, that he wants to give every one of us. How do we stand when it's we're tiresome. How do we stand when it seems like everything is pushing back? And this is my thought. Daddies don't quit when their energy, when their energy fails, but learn how to recharge. It doesn't say your energies won't fail. You've got to get that. <laughs> it doesn't say whether you're a daddy or a mother or a parent or whatever. It doesn't say, oh, man, I, I'm always going to stay high. People that tell me that they're always up, I worry because I don't think it's true. You're always going to have some type of draining, and especially if you're pushing back against 
the world or you're pushing it back against this is the way you got to live, this is the way you got to think, this is the way you got to be, behave, and all these type of things, and it just gets overwhelming at times. How do we stay recharged? How do we stay refreshed? And this morning, you might feel a little bit drained. This morning, you might feel a little bit like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and we were all on as you put your hand up and say, man, Greg, I, just, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can believe this anymore. I don't think I can deal with this pressure of whether it's finances or whether it's family or whether it's relationship or whether it's our physical body. No matter what it is, sometimes we want to just say, God, I'm there. I'm at the end. I want to talk about uh, Jonathan. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, it's a great story that maybe you've heard before. And in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan is uh, the son of Saul. Saul's the king, right? Saul's the king. Jonathan is his son. So he's the prince. And he has, he's good friends of David. Now, David's on the run because Saul is very threatened by David. But Jonathan sees God's spirit and God's anointing on David. And so they're good friends. And so Jonathan has this weird relationship with his, with his father, but he's trusting God. Now, Jonathan, they're in a battle. Saul's army's in a battle, right? Israel's in a battle against the enemy. The enemy is bigger, is stronger, and it just so happened had a better position. They had the high ground. And in those days, if you have the high ground, you have the advantage. And so Jonathan, was, this was, war was going on, and it was lingering, and and they weren't moving, and they weren't getting anywhere. They weren't able to do it. And so something stirred in Jonathan, courage, from an energy we'll talk about. But he, was, he, he, he turned to his, what, what the, the Bible sometimes translates is his armor bearer. Now, you've got to get this. Jonathan is the prince. So this guy is not just an armor bearer. He's the bodyguard. <laughs> he carries the armor, but his life is Jonathan's life. So if Jonathan goes, he's going first. His job is to be there to fight alongside Jonathan no matter what. So Jonathan turns to his armor bearer, to this bodyguard, and says, hey, let's, let's go up. Let's climb this mountain and go up and defeat the enemy. <laughs> and, and they set up a little, uh, a little fleece, and they said, if they say, if we'll call up to them, and if, if they say, no, we're going to come down to you, then we know God's not in it because they have a lot of courage because they would give up the high ground to come down. But if they say, no, no, come up to us, then, then we know that we have the advantage because they think all their support is in the high ground. They think all their advantage is in the high ground. So they call up and they said, ah, oh, come on up to us and we'll, we'll kill you, do whatever, you know, war stuff, talk back and forth. And Jonathan turned to his armor bearers and said, let's go. They climbed the mountain. <laughs> they climbed the mountain and went up and had an, an incredible victory. The odds were against them. They were two. They were only two. And yet the army up there was, was, was full of, uh, of the enemy, and they, they didn't worry about that. You see, this is the first thing. If you want to get recharged, okay, this is the reason we get depressed. These are the reason we get discouraged. This is the reason we want to give up. It's because we're looking around and we're thinking, man, the odds are against me. This is, this is uh, the odds financially are against me and the odds in this relationship working out, the odds of this, the odds are really against me. Living like I need to live or whatever it is, uh, getting the doctors just shaking their heads, you know, they're not giving me good odds. And we, if we look at those odds, man, that's tough. And we won't stand. But if we look at the odds in a different way, if we see it a different way, and, and Jonathan, I believe, was recharged and was strengthened, even though the battle had been going on because he did not see the odds the same way. 1 Samuel 
chapter 14, verse 6, he said, come on, let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or whether by few. <laughs> In other words, God's going to use us. It's not about the odds. He, he didn't ignore the odds. By saying God's going to use us, God can win whether it's a little or God can win whether we're a lot, he didn't, he didn't say oh, they don't exist. He saw them, he just saw them differently. You have to see them differently. You have to look at the odds that are up against you, the things that are pushing back against you, the thing that's not working well, whatever it is you're trying to overcome, and say, you know what? These odds, even though they seem hopeless, if I put it in God's hand, if I'm trusting and see it in the way God wants to do, it's going to change everything. And so he went up there and he had the great victory. In fact, the, the enemy started to run and then all the uh, is, Israel soldiers started to chase him and it was, it was a rout. It was an it was in, incredible victory. And that's the story. That's a story that I heard in uh, Sunday school growing up and that, that's, that's really good. But now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Because of the rest of the story, it's really key to understand. We teach that to the kids and we should, but here's the rest of the story that we don't always mention this part of the story. Because in this part, even though he went up and he would, had victory and the enemy started to run, Jonathan was worn out. Jonathan was tired. Jonathan was at his low ebb. And uh, I love the Bible that just says, because it it's so profound in, in the way it helps us understand. He says, and Jonathan found honey. We're all looking for our honey. I mean, I mean we're looking for... For a refresher. Come on, it's okay. Smile in church. You're allowed to smile in church at least once and then you can move on. He found something that refreshed him. The deeper story is, is what is going on here. You see, it, it's easy to get worn out by attacks. Come on. It's easy to just think, man, this is really difficult. It's easy to get to the point and say, I don't think I need to push back anymore. I just, I'm just going to just do what the world wants me to do. I'm just going to think the world wants, instead of trusting God and trusting what God wants to do. And actually, there's a great story of David, King David, Jonathan's friend I told you about, who God had called to replace Saul. And eventually, David, even though he fought a lot of battles, became king, right? So he's king. But he, he's been fighting out, fighting and fighting. This is what he does. And there was one particular thing when everything turned, a particular moment where David, is, the Bible says, I, I love it, it's, I think it's 2 Samuel 11, but it's something like that. But uh, the Bible says, it says, at the time when kings, that's David, go out to war, David stayed behind. In the time that kings are supposed to go fight, <laughs> David said, I mean, I'm worn out. So he got on top of his palace and got his big reclining chair, because that's what kings have, right? And they kick back, especially on Father's Day. And they get the beer in their hand, I mean, the hard lemonade uh, juice in their hand. And they say, I'm going to relax. I'm just going to kick back. I'm just not going to worry about anything. I'm, I'm just going to, I am just going to, I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm, I'm just, you know, hey, we all need to rest. You need to understand this especially if you stay up all night. You need a rest, just not during church. But you need a rest. I get that, I do. I understand, but, but listen carefully, because David stopped fighting because he was worn out, and everything turned. 
up to this moment, up to this point, everything in David's life. He touches it, bless, touches it, turns to gold, touches it, wins a victory, wins, 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 wins. Even in the hard times, even when he's on the run in the wilderness, God blessed him. People came to him, supported him. It was, it was incredible. Everything you see in David's life was a blessing, 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 until this moment. And after this moment, everything was harder. Everything seemed to go against him. His son rebels against him. It just is crazy. Defeat, 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 defeat. Here's a, a manifestation of God's own heart. What happened? What turned? Well, what happened is he was, instead of going out and fighting, he was relaxing and doing the way the world tells him to relax. And he leans over the corner and sees this um, beautiful young woman swimming and nothing but who she is. And he looks at her and he goes, Woo, she's some honey. Bring her up here. No, she's married. I don't care. Commits adultery. Finds out the, she's pregnant. So he says, oh, no, that's not going to work because I'm the king. Has one of his top generals who's married to her. Her name was Bathsheba because she was taking a bath. That's not true, but anyway. And kills, kills, murders. So adultery, murder, lie, deceit, cover up, all of these things. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Why? And I don't think it's too much of a nuance to say he was where he should not be. He got so tired and so worn up, he stopped fighting. I, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to give anymore. I don't want to show up anymore. I'm, I'm just done. I'm just done. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 27, we're going back to Jonathan. Jonathan is... Is, uh, has his, his victory, and it, it, the Bible says that Jonathan had not heard that his father had bound the people with an oath. So he reached out at the end of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it into the honeycomb, and he raised it uh, to his hand and then ate it and put it in his mouth, and his eyes Brightened. <laughs> Just the Old Testament way of saying he got refreshed. He got renewed. It was like, oh, some sweet honey. And you said, well, what's all this with the staff? If it's honey, there's bees. <laughs> so he put the staff in there, got to see the picture, pulled it out away from the bees and was eating it. Well, what he didn't know is that his father Saul had said, nobody eats until we have a total victory. Until everything is won, nobody eats. And swore the whole army to that. And then they said, Jonathan, you can't do this. And, and you, you're eating, you're breaking the oath. And he said, I didn't know anything about it. But besides, how much greater would the victory have been if the men had the strength to fight? This was a crazy oath. This was wrong to do this. And because of that, the men just ran out and they started to eat. And then Saul finds out about it and says, wait, it's all going on. Who calls this? And it all got back to Jonathan. And so Saul, being the loving father, speaking of Father's Day, said, okay, that's it, you die. You die. Right there in the Bible. Because it wants us to understand something a little bit deeper, a little bit more profound. Jonathan had found a way to refresh himself. <laughs> Jonathan had, had, instead of going by the man-made rules and the man-made things that, got, uh, that say, you've got to follow this way, he stepped into something a little bit bigger, a little bit greater, and said, you know what? I'm going to be refreshed. And in that refreshing, it recharged him. Now, the, the, the men, you know, couldn't have anything to do with that. It's easy sometimes to let the pressures drain us. Come on. It's easy to let 
the, the world and the, the tensions or the frictions or the, the trying or even the failures, because sometimes we fail. I know I do. Maybe you, you guys don't, whatever. But I know sometimes I fail, I mess up. And in those failures, you're thinking, man, I'm the flipping pastor. How, how is this going to work? How is this going to... And so we, we, we get... It's easy to get discouraged. And you, what do we do when we get discouraged? Especially guys. We just pull back. Go find our recliner. Put our feet up. <laughs> Say, man, I'm just... I'm not, I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not going to show up anymore. I'm not going to give anymore. And we just want to just stay back. Instead of saying, God, I'm right here. How, how can I get refreshed? I love Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, maybe you're familiar with it. It's all about how God's going to put his, his word in our, in our hearts and he's going, to, he's going to do great things in our lives. It's just a great chap, uh, chapter. But right in the middle of it, in verse 25, I think is a verse that just changes everything. Because in Jeremiah 31, uh, 25, God says through the prophet, I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. I will refresh the weary. God doesn't say, I'm going to refresh those that are strong. <laughs> how, how does he refresh us? He refreshes us because we're weak, because we get to this point where we're thinking, I'm giving out, I'm trying, I failed, I haven't worked, it hasn't been out. God, maybe I should just give up. Maybe I should just quit. But daddies don't quit. Believers don't quit. You keep in, you think, well, Greg, I, 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 can't, I can't stand in there. I can't stand up. How do I... How do I, how do I uh, stand up against this? How do I live for God in this world, in this, in this family, in this situation, in this pressure? How do I do that? God says he'll refresh us. But we have to re be refreshed by the right things. The world says get refreshed by these things. <laughs> and then we fill our lives with all these things, and it doesn't work that way. God has so much more. J Jonathan encouraged the men. He says, look, guys, you need to be refreshed. You need to be refreshed. And then when all this started to break against him, look what it says in 1 Samuel 14, verse 45. It, the, the men stood up and said, not a hair of Jonathan's head is going to fall. Saul, the king, who his word is law, they said no. They said no, you, you're not going to do that. For he did this with God's help. God is the one that strengthened Jonathan. God is the one that empowered Jonathan. And we have to get this. If we're standing in who God is and what God's want to do, we can stand strong. It's a, it's, Jonathan saw the bigger picture of how he's going to be strong, of how we can be re, uh, recharged. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope, he's the God of hope. And you get tired and you want to quit and you want to give up and you think I can't do this because you've lost hope. We lose hope. And we lose hope because we don't have God's energy in us. And we don't have God refilling us, refilling us. And we're not drawing on his resources. We're doing our own things. We're, we're, we're putting these things from the world in us instead of trusting what God's trying to do. God is a God of hope. And so this God of hope will fill you so that you will be overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. By God's Spirit, God fills us. He fills us again and again and again. He fills us until we're overflowing. And, and, and with, with, with his energy, with, his, with all that he has, with his strength. And all of a sudden you'll find, how do I have the courage to stand, Greg, in this world? How do, I, how do I do that? I'll tell you. If you have the right energy, you'll have the right courage. But if you're low on the energy that God gives us, if you're low on putting God's word in your life and God's 
uh, principles in your life. And man, you are in for a tough struggle. You know, Jesus got tired. Jesus, he was a man. He was all God and he was all man. Both are have to be true. He was completely God so that when he died and he died for us, then we could all be redeemed. But he was completely man, which means that he had, he had to physically really die. It wasn't, he wasn't faking it. Ooh, I'm swooning. I'm gone. No, no, no. He, he really died completely, right? It wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a, a little bit. So he had to be all God, all man. So here he is, and he's going up to this, going to the city, and they're not quite there, but they find a well. He's exhausted, emotionally, physically exhausted. So much so that the, his disciples said, you stay here because you can't even, you're going to fall on your face. You're not even going to make it to the town. We're going to go get food and bring it down, back and feed you. And as he's sitting there, I don't think he planned this. It's just me. But a woman came up, a woman that was getting water in the middle of the day because she wasn't accepted any other time. And they have this most incredible encounter where Jesus is actually talking to this woman who is rejected by all society, rejected by everyone, and she turns out this is the longest conversation Jesus has with any one person outside of teaching. The longest conversation was with this woman who the world has rejected, and, and Jesus poured out wisdom and do, uh, word of knowledge and word of wisdom, and all of a sudden was speaking to her and said, says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you've had five of them. The man you're living with now is not your husband, okay? So this is a woman that is, is on the edge of giving up. In fact, I think she, that's why she gave up. She just said, man, it's not working. I'm just not even going to try anymore. And Jesus poured into her and brought her to a saving knowledge of who he is, and she accepted him as the Messiah. And then as she's leaving, the disciples come up and say, you're talking to a woman? That's not allowed. What are you, what are you doing with that? <laughs> We've come a long way. Anyway, so what happened is, is the disciples come up, and, and Jesus is like, ah, ah, that was so, wow, man, that was huge. Literally, I think is what it was. I don't think it was like, oh, no, 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 no. They saw something. They said, who fed you? You got to get this. Who fed you? Where did you get this energy? How did you? Where, <laughs> he said, I have food you don't know about. He's talking about spiritual food. Wait a minute. You got to get the connection here. Spiritual food into Jesus translated it into physical health. Is that crazy? Because it was who he was. It was everything into him, and he stood up and says, I, I, I gave out. I am refreshed. God refreshed me. How did God refresh him? He refreshed him by giving out. He refreshed him by, by, by pouring into this woman that was lost and desperate and hopeless and had no possibility in this world, and God turned it around. God refreshed him, and he, was, and he stood refreshed, and he said, I, 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 I got food you don't know about. <laughs> Come on, what kind of food are you taking in? <laughs> you know, they say, you know, even healthy, you take in junk, you know, your body's going to be junk. <laughs> Nobody, no, there's no amens there. So I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm going for my ice cream. <laughs> but if we take in the right stuff, so what's feeding into you? You can't do that. You're not going to make it. Who do you think you are? You're not spiritual enough. You can't give your life to Christ. None, none of that happened. All these type of things. Is that's what's feeding into you, and that's what's going to come out of you.
But if all of a sudden something else is feeding you and you'll have the strength of God pouring in you, I love Colossians 1.24. Watch this. See, Paul says, I fill up my flesh with what is still lacking. So there was something lacking in regards to Christ's affliction, in, guard, in regards to God, uh, Christ's ministry, in, guard, in regards to everything that I'm struggling with. I fill up with Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church, so that others can be touched. I'm going to fill myself up. Paul knew that he needed more. Paul knew that this is what God needed to do in his life. This word uh, fill up literally means to supplement, to replace. It means overflowing, overlapping. And all these things pour, pour into us. You know, if, if, if you're out there and you want to have muscles like this, I knew I'd get some of you grin there. If you want to have muscles, you want to get strong, what do you do? What do you do? How, how, do, you, how do you get muscles? How do you, how do you get stronger? You go to the gym, right? You know, you go to the gym and you work out. <laughs> so j just to let you know that uh, more affairs start at a gym than any other place outside of work. So just be careful when you do that. But it's true. True study. But you go to the gym. You've got to go to the gym. You go to the gym and you work out. And what are you doing? What are you doing? That was just free. You thought, what was that? And you just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> I love you guys. You just want to have strong families. So, <laughs> so what happens is you're, you're, you're giving energy. Whoa, 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 wait. No, no, no. I need to sit on the couch. This is how you get stronger muscles. And put that reclining chair up again and drink, drink that you know, beverage of choice and just rest those muscles because if you rest them, they'll get stronger, right? That, that's why. No, 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 no. God didn't make us that way. You have to give energy and then you reap energy. You have to push yourself to the limit and then you receive it back. The principle is still true. You have to sow energy, and you'll reap energy. You have to sow life. And so you have to get to the point where you're saying, I'm going to give it away. Colossians 1.29 says, I strenuously contend. Paul says, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I fight, literally. I, I fight so that I can have all the energy. I push back. When I'm tired, I push. When I don't think I can do it, I push <laughs> When I want to give up, I cry out to God and say, God, help me to stand in faith, to stand in courage, to, to believe in, and give away. When I don't feel like I have anything in me to give, I'll give it to someone else. And what's the result? <laughs> You're jumping around by the well going, look at me. God is good. Look what God did. Wow, that, that, that is God coming when you're tired and you're weary and you want to give up. That's when you've got to trust God. If you have a battery of something, whatever, I mean, we, we just went to, spent the day at uh, Disney Springs visiting Lisa's brother, and uh, we drove uh, Jared's uh, Ford Mach-E electric car, go all the way there, smooth. I mean, I drove it back on, smooth, because I said, hey, it's almost Father's Day, I get to drive your car. So it was really nice, man, it's just all the everything, it's just, just, just really nice, love, love, love driving. When we get home, you got to plug that thing back in. As nice as it is, as cool as it is, as all the little bells and whistles it has and everything like that, if you just keep driving that and you don't plug it back in, then it's going to drain and drain and drain. And we live this Christian life, and we trust God, and we don't get plugged in. We don't allow God to, to refresh us and re-strengthen us. We just, we, we, we just think, no, I need to do my own time again. You need to relax. Go on vacation. Do a cruise. 
you know, go do that. Have, have fun. Have, have mini vacations all along the way. Enjoy your life. I'm so excited. Next week, I'm going to start a new uh, uh, series. We're going to talk about all summer long on how to live in joy, really joy. We're, sometimes, I think Christians are too depressed. <laughs> we should live. It doesn't mean we can't get discouraged, but it just means discouragement gets fed back into joy. And I believe God, that's how God wants us to live. Of course, that always hangs around food, but that's another point. The, the point is, is that God has refreshing for us. We have to get, we have to plug in. We, we unplug it from the ACDC, whatever. We have the battery, and, and, and then all of a sudden we get drained, and that's what God wants to do in our life. Are you feeling weak? Don't withdraw. Don't pull back. Because that's what the world tells us to do. You just got to get out of there and, and quit and don't, don't keep pushing and you just, you know, put your feet up or do whatever, whatever. You know, these are the things. And the world has all kinds of things that it thinks will refresh us. And again, I'm not saying don't be refreshed in those things. I'm just saying make sure that your main refreshing is God and God's spirit and what God's trying to do in your life. You see, it's just the opposite. And that's what God often teaches us when it comes to having courage. How do we go against those waves? There's somebody lost on the other side. There's somebody hurting. There's somebody drowning in a storm of sin and failure and shame and weakness. How do we get to there? How do we help them? How do we make a difference in them? If, if we can't get to them, how can we help them? But when the waves pushes us back or they say, I don't want your help or go away, or you're just some kind of religious nut, listen to me. How do we go past all of that and, and to push through? We do that by saying, God, you charge me. You refill me. Paul and Silas were preaching, and people didn't like it, and to beat him, beat him with a cane. Beat him. Black and blue, bleeding. Take him in prison. Locked him in the very center of the prison, which is where all the poop runs. It's a poop prison, right? So there he was. And they're chained in this prison. Don't you think they're a little bit worn out? Don't you think they're just like, okay, I'm done. Done. <laughs> God, we, we trusted you, you know, and we don't mind suffering for you. And, and we've been beaten. We're bloody. We're bruised. We're in this muck. We're chained here. We're behind these doors. And at that point, it would have been really easy to say, come on, let's just get some shut-eye. Let's just get a little bit of rest. But what did they start to do? They gave out. They started to sing. Great is our God. Our God is great. They started to lift up their voices, their hands, and they started to just sing and give. They're in prison, haven't been beaten nearly to death. They're sitting in waste, and all of a sudden they're able to worship God, <laughs> give to God. And, it, and you know what? Because they gave to God, because they worshiped, all the prisoners heard them. <laughs> Talking about echoing through that, that, that prison chambers, and all of them heard them. And then God turned on the power, because it says that the whole place began to shake. <laughs> I think God plugged in the whole building. <laughs> And they were shaking, and all the doors, every single door flew open, and every single chain fell off. 
What happens when you give? Every single door will open and every single chain will fall off. Every single door will be open. Greg, that door's been shut and I've been, I, there's no way I can get through this and no way that's going to change. You know, come on, listen to me. If we get refreshed in who God is, if we pour out to Him, He'll pour into us. If we sow life, God sows life in us and chains fall off and doors open and everything changes. That's what God has for us. Come on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Trust God. Believe God. This Father's Day, say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to refill. I'm going to refill. I'm not going to back away and say, this is too much. I'm going to step up and say, God, do this. Move in my life. Move in my heart. And you watch and see what God's able to do. Amen? You receive the word. Come on. Give God thanks. Come on. Give God thanks. God, we give you praise. And God, I thank you for your life and your spirit that's in this place. God, we are desperate for more of you. God, I pray first off for every single father in here that you would recharge them with life and with hope, with every single believer that's going, I need more, I need a refreshing, I need to be strengthened. They carry the weight of their whole family sometimes on them. God, pour into them, strengthen them, encourage them. God, every single mother, every single father, every single parent, every single business person, no matter who they are or where they're at, God, pour into them. Strengthen us with your presence and your power. As we trust in you, God. And God, if there's a single person here, if there's anybody watching online that haven't come to the place where they've given their life to you, where they're just trying to do it on their own way, God, I pray they would see that they can't do it without you. And God, they will come to a point where they say, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Oh, God, what a sweet presence you bring. It would be like honey in our mouths. So, Father, I pray for every single soul. And if you're watching online or you're in this place, I want you, and your life isn't right with God, just repeat these words after me in your heart and your spirit, or even out loud say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. I receive you, and I need you in my life. Take all that I am and make me all that you want me to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray.